It's like the podcast should be called like Intuitive Finding Your Shine or something. I feel like that's the most common It doesn't have theme. quite the same ring, but we can try. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> but it is like the theme of what we seem to talk about all the time. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends, Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey guys, we are back with another episode of Finding Your Shine and get up because today we're talking movement. So if you're the kind of person that likes to listen to this while you're walking, I know that's my preferred podcast medium, then you are right in spirit with today's episode. Today we are talking with Erin Stutland, who is an author and mind-body wellness expert. She hosts and is the lifestyle coach of Z Living's cable series, Altered. And she also has a really awesome book that we talk a lot about called Mantras in Motion, Manifesting What You Want Through Mindful Movement, which is an idea I think kind of in the back of my head I had thought of, but never really thought of its power of having affirmations or changes or things you want to bring into your life and incorporating that with some kind of complementary movement that really augments that and helps you get in the flow of that on a physical level. So we really enjoyed this conversation. And I think we made a lot of connections to intuitive living as a whole. And that seems to sort of be the theme here on the podcast. It's like intuitive eating, intuitive movement, intuitive finances. It's like intuitive everything. I don't know if intuitive finances is a thing, Liz. Intuitive anxiety. I don't know what the word. (laughs) I just make all that up. But putting the word intuitive in front of everything (laughs) has to be a positive thing, right? So we really loved this conversation. And we hope that you guys can go ahead and check her out. We give you all the details at the end of this episode. But before we hop into this episode, we did want to remind you all that you can work with Liz and me if that is something that you are interested in. So we are both certified coaches now, and we are excited that both of our businesses are out there. We're taking one-on-one clients, which has been great. And if you are thinking about, you know, who's the right fit for you, well, of course, if you're dealing with anxiety and hormone issues and all of those things, um, my one-on-one program would be a great resource for you. And if you're a finance girl, Liz has you covered. (laughs) Or want to be a finance girl or (laughs) just want to stop crying every time you look at your budget or make a purchase. That's probably where you need to be. (laughs) If you want to stop crying because you can't stop worrying about things, come to me. If you want to stop crying because your bank account is sad, go to Liz. Just don't cry. If you want to stop crying, come to one of us. So if you are interested in looking for more information on how to connect and work with both Liz and I one-on-one, head to our websites. Mine is nourishedwithnina.com. You can also find me on my Instagram at nourishedwithnina. And you can find Liz at lizgarster.com. Super hard to remember. If you know my name, you have it covered. Um, And my Instagram is simple again, at lizgarster. Just the name. Just the name. Don't wear it out. We got (laughs) nourished ed 
with Nina and we just got plain old Liz Garster. <laughs> Catch us on our other platforms. Believe it or not, finding your shine is not the only thing we're up to these days. No, no. But it is what we're focusing on right now in our exciting conversation with Erin Stetland about intuitive movement. Hey guys, today we have Aaron with us and we are going to be talking about a ton of things and especially getting into her book, which is Mantras in Motion and how she's really used movement in her life to, from what I've seen and what I've read about you, like ground yourself, ease anxiety, and you tried all of these different facets, right? Like um, mindfulness and nutrition, all these things, but movement was what really set everything into motion, which sounds really (laughs) cheesy. I didn't mean to say that. Um, For you. So I'm curious if you could just give our listeners a little bit of background into where you've come from and then what kind of led you down this new path. Yeah. Well, movement has always been a part of my life. So I was a dancer growing up and I always found movement to be you know, a powerful place for expression and for finding yourself and finding yourself in the moment. But, you know, there was a point in my uh, late teens, my early 20s, not throughout my 20s, that I really was struggling with, you know, a mixture of depression and anxiety for a, a variety of reasons. My, I had my mom had a, a cancer diagnosis. After, you know, college, I had moved to New York City, a big city, making adjustments into life that we all make when we're, you know, 22 years old. And I was an artist. So I was, you know, auditioning and trying to kind of piecemeal my life together. And I found that I was just struggled a lot. I think the depression and anxiety came out of quite frankly, low self-esteem. You know, if you really look at what's a, where depression and anxiety comes from, you know, anxiety is, is worrying about a future that doesn't yet exist. And because perhaps you think you don't have the skills, or the tools to handle that future. And depression really comes from sort of rehashing your past and wishing things were different. And I, and I think there was just so much inner self-reflection on sort of the negative aspects of myself that really prevented me from moving forward confidently in my life and manifesting and creating the life that I really wanted. And so, you know, when I was in uh, college, I started reading some self-help books and I started, you know, finding a lot of inspiration in those books. And I found, I'm like, yes, this is the answer. This is the answer. And I continued, you know, reading these books. But what I found and my experience of the books were that they were all giving me these wonderful intellectual ideas which are so important. You know, we all need to start by I think intellectually understanding anything really so that our mind is like, "Okay, yes, I got it. I I understand that maybe I'm struggling with self-confidence. Okay, now how do I become more confident?" Like that's how, you know, you're like you read a book on it, but it's like you finish the book, you close the last chapter and it's not like all of a sudden you have more confidence. You have to then put it into practice. You have to get it into your body. And what my experience was was that you know, intellectually, I understood it, but you know, but the body has muscle memory. The cells have memories of your past. So intellectually, your mind is saying, "Great, now I understand self confidence." But the body is like, "Yeah, but you've just spent the last ten years talking shit about your body, or you know, you just spent the last like hour feeling crappy and feeling kind of depressed, or maybe overeating or eating a bunch of sugar." Like, so your body is not necessarily correlating with these wonderful inspirational 
intellectual ideas. And that's really where the movement started to come into play because I started to take some of these concepts like self-confidence, like courage, um, like compassion, like inspired action, and started to create mantras or affirmations that I'm sure you guys talk about here and started to put them into movement. So I would actually move while saying these thoughts, these positive thoughts out loud. And for me, that is exactly when the shift really started to happen because it was sending a new message to my entire body, to my muscles, to my cells, that it was not just an intellectual idea. Yeah. I work a lot with clients. My main focus is on anxiety. And I think it's so important to remember, and I was there too, like, you know what you need to do. Like, you want to say like, I know this isn't scary, or I know logically that this shouldn't make me worried. But the problem is, like you said, your body remembers and it's so stored, like these fears and deeply rooted beliefs in your body that even when you logically know, it's like, you can't stop the fear, the anxiety from coming or your body from tensing. And then everything starts to snowball from there. And I think it's so profound that you made that connection because that is the biggest thing. Like, what can you do to train your body to learn these new habits? And then that, when your body is like content and starts to change its ways, then your mind is like, oh, I can believe now everything that all of this knowledge I have, I now can believe it because I'm implementing it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, things like meditation, which is an amazing practice and does include the body, right? Does include body awareness and breath, and that will absolutely get you into your body. So this practice that I'm talking about with moving mantras, I think of it as a moving meditation. I found that when I first started studying meditation, because I was so active, because I had so much energy, that just the meditation wasn't enough for me. Mm. I needed to actually physically get up and move to get some of these concepts in my body. And that was really... And, and I needed to also... I also think that you know, through movement, different kinds of movement, whether it's dance or yoga or spinning or kickboxing, that also, what's also powerful about this work is that that also calls up a lot of new energy, whereas meditation yeah. kind of asks you to distill the energy a little bit, which again, so awesome, so powerful. But there's something also really powerful about calling up this energy that you have when you're mm-hmm. really moving with enthusiasm and excitement, and then turning that and taking that energy and doing something with it and turning that into something that can be um, productive again for your self-confidence, your self-esteem. Is mm-hmm. there a way to determine, is it something you do intuitively, like today I need something a little more calming meditation. I need to, you know, relax those thoughts and go within, or today is a day where I feel like I'll really be empowered to make whatever I'm looking to manifest happen through movement. Like, is there, what's the, when do you know when to use which one? Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. And you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm a a newer mom. I have a, a newer mom. My daughter is now almost 15 months. And you know, as a mom, it's like, you're just like another level of tired. <laughs> that, like, I've heard. I yeah, like that I didn't even We've been talking to a lot of moms recently. It's like a common thing on the Finding Your Shine podcast. I don't know if the universe is like trying to Prep teach us. me Liz something, <laughs> but like the last guest we talked to also had, I think like a young child too. And yeah. the tired theme comes up often. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's so intense. It's so insane. So so I say that because I'm actually approaching my own movement practice from a very different perspective than I ever have before. And in a way, I'm grateful for it because it does help me to connect to other people who may be suffering from exhaustion or fatigue, whether they have a baby or not. So I certainly think that it really does depend on where you are and how you're feeling. I find that even in my own experience, when I am feeling extremely tired, that actually getting up and moving in a way that's more energetic than I maybe want to or feel like it 
is so healing and so important. It's like the very thing that I need. I'm like, oh, I don't feel like going to work out. I don't want to do it. I'm too tired. But I go and I do it and I move the energy in a, in a big way. Um, I find that to be really powerful. But you know, there's certainly times I feel like that call for you to be quiet and still. And you know, I, I think in my experience with either both depression and anxiety, I think really moving the energy is really, really powerful. And even if it just means going for a walk, you know, that could even be transformative for you if you're especially depression. Anxiety, sometimes breathing can be good, but sometimes if you're really in a state of anxiety, just sitting and breathing like won't do it. It's like so the, hard. the mind won't slow down enough. And so that's mm-hmm. where I find movement to be really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the an object in motion tends to stay in motion, an object, that whole like Newton's... Yeah. Pretty sure that's the Newton's law. Yes, I think is. you're right. Um, yes, <laughs> we're not going back to like here, but that greater. sounds right. Um, but sixth I think grade. about like my own life and those times when I've been like working all day and I have a lot of momentum, and it's when I like sit on the couch or stop that everything like if I wanted to accomplish things later in the day, it's gone because I've sat and I've rested and my body's been like, "You're and tired we're now." Done. Right? And, yeah. Exactly. It brings. It brings me to like a few years back when I was at the height of my anxiety, like to that point where I was like, I need to find some help because this is getting uncontrollable. And I remember I was like, oh, I'm just going to meditate. And that's, and it wasn't working. I was like, why isn't this working anymore? And that's when I found my yoga practice to be the most beneficial to me because I realized like moving my body and getting in tune with that was a way for me to like get out of my brain and then get into my body. And then from there, like, I feel like I can tell, like you said, sometimes I just need to shake up the energy so much. It's like you have all of it within you. So you just have to do some sort of like high intensity, something or other to like, it's almost like sweating it out. You know, it's like, get it all out of me. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, I really, I believe that movement in your body creates movement in your life. And I think that the two are, are linked Always, always. So if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling down, if you're just feeling depressed, if you're feeling stuck on a creative idea, I really believe that movement will help you move forward in, in whatever you're kind of suffering with. So yeah, absolutely. Are there certain kinds of affirmations or mantras that go well with certain kinds of movement? Ooh, good question. <laughs> that is a great question. Yes. Uh, so in, in the book, Mantras in Motion, there's nine chapters where I share mantras. And I sh- at the end of each chapter, I share a movement pattern for, for you to do. And they're no longer than five minutes. And certainly there are different, there are different moves in there. So there are... When we talk about... Um, like If I give you the mantra, I am tuned in, I step into the flow, I have all that I need and the rest I let go... There, I'm going to give you um, a movement that has a little bit more flow to it because I want you to experience, because mm. I want you to feel flow. Like if we're saying, I, I am in the flow, I step into the flow, I want you to feel what flow and ease feels like. If I give you a mantra about, I am taking action, today is my day, I will feel the fear and I will do it anyway, I'm going to give you movement that's a little bit more high energy. Maybe we're going to throw some punches. Maybe we're going to like call up some, you know, focus and some courage and some confidence. So absolutely, I think that different mantras will relate better to different movements. But I would just want to add, it also will depend on the energy that you bring. So the mm. thing that I really encourage people to do in this work when you're combining movement and mantra, it's not just about, you know, say the mantra, do the movement, like call it a day. You want to begin to embody the mantra. 
So if it, if we're saying flow, like find that soften in your body. So you can be doing a high energy movement, but finding flow in it, if that makes sense. So yeah. you want to also bring the quality of the movement to match the mantra. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of, you know, when people say to like, look in a mirror and say your affirmations and sometimes people are like, screw that. This doesn't work. Do you find that it's the same concept? I know. I don't do love being that? like, you're great to myself in the mirror. Yeah. And I've tried I love it. my it body. It feels yeah. awkward. It's, it's awkward. It could be awkward for sure. For sure. But do you find that when you pair it with the movement then, that's sort of like that key missing element is that you're like, um, again, training your body. So you're saying these things and then you're putting motion to it. So that way it feels more like in connection with each other. And then that's when it really starts to sink in. Cause I know people have issues with mantras. I've heard like positive and I've heard negative. Yeah. So what's your thought on that? I, I love Louise Hay. She's like my fairy godmother, like my book yeah. with Hay House Publishing. I love everything about her. And she does a lot of that mirror work. And I, I personally have never been able to like fully like get behind standing in a mirror and doing that for whatever reason, just standing there doing it. However, I think for me, when I do the movement and the mantras and when I teach classes, I often will turn the lights down because I actually want mm. people to go inside more. So when you're doing these movement and mantras, even when, you know, I'll do, I, I do Facebook lives all the time and I'll teach a simple movement and mantra that you can do sitting in your chair, just moving your upper body. And I'll often, I'll teach a movement and then I'll say to people, now I want you, now I'm going to add the mantra, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just do the movement and the mantra closing your eyes because mm. sometimes we can get distracted by what we see in the mirror. Sometimes we're like, okay, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I'm inspired or I, I'm courageous. And then we look in the mirror and we're like, wait a second, I don't really like how I look today or whatever sort of external yeah. things that we begin to pick up. So I think there's great power in tuning in and kind of closing the eyes a little bit and going inward when you're doing this work. Are you familiar with Kundalini? Have you practiced it before? Yeah, I've definitely done some Kundalini and, um, yeah, I found, I found it to be, you know, wonderful. There's a lot of great things about it. for Sure. That also, this whole conversation also kind of reminds me of that. Like me and Liz has take, have taken a couple Kundalini classes. I feel like there are times when we look at each other and try not to laugh because you're like saying these mantras. Or like or, spinning around. Yeah, yeah and things. like you're doing these weird things. Nobody can see me because we're on a podcast, but you do these weird things with your hands and then like dance around the room. But totally. it's really a, it's really effective. What about for people that are like, I get it. Um, I'm not really a worker outer. I don't know the correct term for that. I don't really know where to start. My, I don't naturally want to move type of thing. What are some really easy ones that you can recommend to somebody just getting started? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of like, I'm not someone who likes to move or I'm not someone who likes to work out. You know, I think most people that sort of feel that way, they have some resistance around movement because they have a story yeah. around what movement is. So We've been taught, and I th- I do believe it's beginning to change, which I'm thrilled about. But you know, one of the reasons why I started this work was because when I started teach, I started teaching fitness oh, ten plus years ago. And at the time when I started teaching, what I saw in the fitness world, the conversation that you were seeing, this is before like Soul Cycle existed, was you know, every time you go to a workout class, it was about burning the calories you ate the night before, getting your six pack abs. You know, it felt very competitive. It didn't feel like a safe space for people who had different body types or who were maybe just wanting to get started. And so I think that for those people who think that they're not someone who likes to work out, I, I do believe that there's a story there that they've 
you know, created, totally. created based on a variety of, ex- of experiences. And what I'm, what I'm most proud about this work is that I get people all the time like that in my programs all the time. People are like, I don't work out. I'm just beginning. And I think, you know, what happens is that, you know, going back to this idea of science, no two things can occupy the same space at the same time. So usually what happens is we're working out, we're moving our body and we catch a glimpse in the mirror and we don't like what we see or it gets really hard. Our heart is racing, our legs are shaking or we start comparing ourselves to the person next to us and we instantly go into the thought, um, I suck at this, I'm not mm-hmm. really hard. Now, the thing when you bring a mantra in and you're actually saying and embodying the mantra, you begin to think, you know, I am powerful, I am confident, I am taking action. Well, because no two things can occupy the same space at the same time, you can't be thinking, I suck at this and I'm confident at the same time. And so what happens when you start to use the mantras more and more while you're moving, there's actually no room for that negative story anymore. Mm-hmm. And the negative story is really the thing that prevents us from wanting to move. It's the thing that tells us we're not good at working out or we'll never create the change in our life. If we remove that negative story, then we're just simply moving and we start to feel the joy and the endorphins from movement. And so again, one of the greatest things that I'm proud about in, in my programs is that people are like, I never liked working out before and now I actually enjoy it. Yeah. And now you know they want to go and they want to do a kickboxing class or a yoga class or other things because they've reconnected to the joy of movement. And we were all born to move. We were designed to move. I see this in my, you know, in my daughter, like from the time of being a baby, yeah. rolling over, crawling, walking, we were designed to move. And so I think we just need to get out of our heads about it and create a new story about what movement is. I was going to say that it's all these like negative stories that we tell ourselves, they really get in the way. And it's like, you you just start moving or you just start doing it. And then you realize you grow this confidence. Like, oh my gosh, for all these years, I had this story and it's just not true. And I think what you said was is so important that there's, it's definitely changing right now. We're seeing this like world and wellness of, it's not about calories in, calories out and about how you look. I mean, of course that's still there, of course. But I feel like what I see now in the communities I'm surrounding myself in, everybody's like, how do you want to feel? You know, like, or how do you want your mind to feel? And so then when we start thinking about movement in that way, it takes away that stigma of like, I need to look this way or I'm not strong enough. It's about like, I'm doing this to empower myself and feel really good, not about how I look necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. The story is changing. The conversation is changing and it's it's an exciting thing. Do you see any like is one way to augment this or change it in any way. So we've talked about like, obviously the mantra and the movement, but we kind of like, when you alluded to soul cycle, like there's kind of that sense of community. How does community and participating in something like this, like with a group of people, does that like enhance or change the experience in any way? Yeah. I love that question. You know, because now our, so much of what we do is online, right? There's so many programs online and I have tons of online stuff as well. So I certainly think you can still experience it in that online with you just alone in your own room. I think that there, you know, I've, I taught classes in New York city for years and years, and there's just something really amazing about being in a community of people um, live and in color while you're, you know, moving together. You know, they say there, there have been studies done and they actually say that when you move in synchronicity with other people in a room, in whatever way, whether it's choreography or whether it's, you know, simple, you actually release even more endorphins. So there's something really powerful about being in a class, being live, moving in synchronicity with other folks. 
But I think just, you know, I think you can develop and, and we've developed a really beautiful community around this and, and my shrink session, that's a program that I have online, um, a Facebook community where people are really, I think you just need to be surrounded by people who are incorporating the same ideas as you are into their lives and practicing them and helping to hold you accountable. And I think that's, I think community can play a part, you know, online or in person. Yeah. I mean, you think about surrounding yourself with negative energy or positive energy, and then you gravitate towards whatever energy you're most surrounded with. So it's like, find the people that are going to be doing and like following this like positive energy that you want and you'll jump right on board. Yeah. I was just going to say, well, I mean, it wasn't like a value add. I just was reflecting on our hip hop dancing days and how- Oh my gosh, me too. I was going to bring that- I was going to bring that up. Which I don't like, it's the one, because I've done, I I don't know if it's because yoga- is so like intro, you know, you're going within, you're doing a lot of, I never pay attention to anyone in yoga. I'm like, it's just me. And it seems like my workouts of choice have been yoga or hip hop dancing. And it's interesting, the different vibe that community has brought when, which is, I think more of what hip hop dancing, what I've gotten from that is the sense of like, I'm like, we are all in an Usher video right now and we look fabulous. Exactly, exactly. Well, and that's what I love about live classes. You know, the end of my classes, I usually bring people in really close and we move together. And like, you know, I think it's, I think there's just something exactly. I think there's something so empowering for everyone to walk out of there being like, we are, we just did an Usher video and we fucking killed it. You know, part of my life. (laughs) You know, so um, yeah, I think there's something, I love that you do uh, hip hop. I think there's um, I think there's something really special about being in person with people and, and you should do it as often as you can. Yeah. I was going to say, it's what got us into this whole world. Liz, that was the first thing, like before the podcast, we were, before any of this. Point one for wellness was being on my fitness pal and doing hip hop dance, which- Yeah. I love it. Shows how far we've come because- we're because we definitely do don't do my fitness pals anymore. I right? would do hip hop dance if it were close. And trust me, I've looked for a class near me, and it just maybe I need to start my own studio. Maybe that's what yeah. needs to happen. Yeah, huge. Even talking about that, I think forever too about like getting your own dance hip hop dance I have, certification. The problem is, I think it's a. I'm not the like. I'm not as great as I think I. <laughs> It doesn't matter, right? You're cultivating this community we're talking about. I know, but I need like an official choreographer to take on that. So, yeah. So my question for you is what's your favorite type of movement then? And when, um, I guess, is it a structured thing or do you kind of go with whatever you feel like your body needs at the moment? I mean, for me, I am like, I am, I'm a Gemini and variety is the spice of life for me. So <laughs> I have never been one ever in my life to, as, well, that's not totally true. Cause I did, maybe it's because I did ballet. Like, I, I mean, I, I studied dance. Like I did ballet. I studied dance in college. Like I studied contemporary dance and I did. You can be my this. choreographer for my new studio. There done, you go. We done. just figured it out. Done, done and done. <laughs> so. Um, so, you know, I because I have this dance background, I have this discipline in, in dance. Now at this point in my life, and for a very long time, I need variety. So I like to do anything from, you know, every now and then I'll do spin class. Um, I still, I love dance. Obviously cardio dance, I do a lot of. And um, for me, because I sort of have the skills to do it, when I go work out, I will go into a studio, an open studio, and I'll just create a workout for myself. Whether it's, you know, a hit workout or a dance workout. Um, and then I turn those workouts into things that other people can do. <laughs> but, yeah. But so I, I kind of listen to my body and I, yeah. I do, one thing I do recommend for people is I recommend that you have three or four 
ways of moving that you like because you have mm-hmm. to tune into your energy every day and see see what it is that you need and what you're being called for. So, you know, have have a yoga, have a spin, you know, have a dance, whatever it is that you know you like. Um, because if you have a couple things that you like, you're more likely to do them. If you are feeling forced to do like one thing every day, you know, there's like these programs out there and you just follow this one thing every day, this one method, like I don't know. I think they work for short ter- term, but I don't know if they do long term. Or maybe for some people they do, but I'm I need variety. I also wonder if that's why some people think like working out isn't for me because they've tried something and it, it seems to work for everybody else. That's actually my big beef in the wellness world is people are like, well, this just doesn't work for me because I've seen all these other people do it, but obviously it's not working in my life. And I was like, maybe it's just not for you, you know? And so I yeah. also love like yoga. And then I just started doing weight training and I, it's something I've never done. I had a really negative story around that too. I was like, well, I don't know what to do with these weights and I'm not going to hop into this gym. So I am working with somebody who's teaching me and I was right. like, oh my gosh, this actually feels really good too. So it's like yoga and that, and I actually miss Zumba. So this conversation reminded me, I would love to do some sort of dance because you're right. Like you're not always going to want to lift weights. You're not always going to want to do a hit workout. Maybe you want to flow or, or just yeah. go for a run or for a walk. And I think in this day and age of like, you know, having choices and options, it really is up to you to, you know, cultivate and, and um, create things that work for you. And so there's a lot of great options out there and a lot of great programs that, you know, allow that. And that's the one thing that I, you know, give in my programs is a lot of variety. So we'll use light weights. I'll have flow. I'll have stretching. I'll have yoga. I'll have cardio. I'll have hit because I think people need the variety. Yeah. And they can find those on your website then and resources like a video. Where can they find your video resources? Cause I know Liz said you don't have a Zumba class near you that you found. Yeah. Liz. So it's like some people don't have studios nearby. So online is a great option. Yeah. Come on over to aaronstutland.com forward slash book. And there you, there's actually a free, um, a free gift. So you can download a free short five minute movement and mantra workout video that you can do from the comfort of your mm-hmm. own home. Um, and you can learn more about the book over there as well. And then um, you'll you'll start to you'll be in our orbit and start to learn about all of our other our products and programs. So erinstutland.com forward slash book. Cool. I'm curious. Um, so you we've talked a little bit about you recently becoming a mother. Um, Liz, you're on the same wavelength as me because mm-hmm. right I those airwaves. was going to go to that too. Yeah. So I'm curious if you know if someone obviously now I did I went to a hip hop class once where in the middle like. I mean, it's hip hop fitness. Like in the middle, there were like burpees. And I kid you not, this woman was like eight months, eight and a half months pregnant. Like her belly, I was like, your belly is going to touch the ground. Like I'm nervous for you. And she was doing it way better than I ever could. But I feel like a lot of people, I would imagine, find that their movement capacity like slows down in pregnancy, or maybe like they've had some kind of injury where like they can't move as much. What would you recommend for people who maybe like have some momentum? Not to, I'm not trying to make puns, I promise. Have mm-hmm. some momentum going with like being in a in a physical routine or maybe they're, you know, incorporating mantras into their movement and then they have to for whatever reason like stop. Yeah, that's a great question. First thing I want to say burpees are the worst 
exercise <laughs> ever. I think that I think um, not to like knock on burpees, but I'm going to for a moment. I hate the problem, them. So the problem is <laughs> first of all, they're they're horrible. But they so, most everybody I see in a group fitness setting does not perform them correctly, and so you're going. They to, hurt your shoulders if you do them wrong, right? That's right. Yeah, and so you're gonna yeah. you're gonna risk injury if you don't do them correctly. And I would say 99% of people don't. Um, do them correctly. So if you're ever, if you're listening and you're ever in a class and you're given burpees, like feel free to be like, I'm passing on this one or find a modification that works for you with just like a step back into like, a, you know, you don't have to do the whole thing. If you're really skilled and you're very athletic, then burpees can be great, but you have to do them with good form. Otherwise it's, I think they're a disaster, but mm. that's my rant on burpees. Um, <laughs> back to your, back to your question, Liz. I think that that's a really good question. I think it's so easy when we have an injury or, you know, becoming a new mom and you kind of get taken out. I, I actually couldn't really exercise during my pregnancy because I had a complication. And once I was sort of given the clearance to do so, I slowly started to come back to it. And I think, I think we have a very all or nothing mentality around movement. So certainly if you have an injury and you must, and you're told to rest, you, you certainly need to give your body rest. That is imperative. But you would be amazed that small movement can actually really help heal um, injury. It can help get the blood circulating. And so you want to find... So this all or nothing mentality basically says, oh, I can't do it. So I'm not doing anything at all. Versus like finding new things to do for yourself that actually fit where you are right now. So with pregnancy, you know, it depends. People will say different things about pregnancy in particular and pregnancy workouts. Some, some people have the mentality that pregnant women should not be working out hard. And some people have a different mentality. But I think there's certainly things, whether you're pregnant or injured, that you can do to keep yourself moving. I mean, walking at the end of the day, so you know, as long as you don't have like an ankle or knee injury where you can actually walk, walking is the defining motion of humanity. And so if you can just simply go for walks, you would be amazed at how you could how you will feel just by walking, especially for pregnant women. So I think you have to really tune in and find what you can do and not throw the baby out with the bathwater when you have an injury, mm. which I think happens a lot. That reminds me of another question. So if you do struggle or you are on the side of having anxiety or even depression and you get pregnant or something happens, was it difficult to have to make that change when you were used to moving so much? Was it something that you had to work through and see where I need to go next? Because I feel like that would affect me mentally once I wasn't able to do my routines that I would typically do. Yeah, it was really, really hard for me not to be able to exercise. And, you know, I had a complication. So on top of that, I was stressed about the complications. And then there was, yeah. and then I didn't get to relieve the stress through movement. And, you know, it's really hard. It sort of forced me to dig into a different side of myself, like, because I really couldn't exercise. I didn't want to take the risk. And there will be times in your life where you can't. And like, that's where meditation comes in. That's where journaling comes in. Again, if you can still walk, like walking, I was okay to do. And I also knew that it wouldn't last forever. And I think that's also mm. important. I kind of kept that in my mind that eventually I'll be able to exercise again. And I can handle this difficult time. And I think that's what you kind of have to remind yourself of when you're going through a hard time and you don't have the capacity to move in the way you'd like. Yeah. Aside from movement, what are your favorite go-tos for, I don't know, for all of it, for like mental health and for releasing uh, emotions and things like that? Um, I'm a big journaler. I find writing to be extremely cathartic. And actually in the book, I have over, I think over 15 journaling exercises because I think journaling can help 
you create those intellectual connections to things that you want to connect. And I actually think it goes beyond the intellect. When you start to do writing, you really tap into a deeper part of your intuition. You tap into like some real good superpowers um, that I don't think you can tap into just thinking things through. So um, I'm a big fan of doing morning pages, which was prescribed mm. by Julia Cameron in the artist way. Those are I've been doing those for over 20 years. And so for me, I would say journaling is is a huge, huge uh, wellness tool. Um, cooking is also a really big wellness tool. Making something for me, it's uh, cooking is just more about making something. It could be making it's like anything. a moving meditation. Exactly, it's like the same. You're moving around and you're zoning in, and yeah, exactly. So, um, and then of course, meditation itself. So those are, that's actually, that's, those are the three components of the book are these mind, body, and heart. So you've got the journaling and the meditation and the movement. I think it's funny you mentioned cooking because I've like, from the beginning, I've just thought about the other day when, like, since we started talking, I was sweeping the floor and I suddenly remembered, like I'd read a book about like a Buddhist thing being like sweeping the floor and like meditating in that way. And I actually started saying like very uplifting mantras to myself like <laughs> while I was sweeping the floor. And I was like, is this the weirdest thing I've ever done? But <laughs> yeah, just cooking, know, like bringing chores. I mean, chores are a movement. Like well, I was I trying to do it with intention. Yeah, I think anything that you're doing um, repetitive mm-hmm. is can certainly move you into a meditation. So washing the dishes, sweeping the floor, those are all really powerful ways to move yourself into a deeper state of consciousness. Yeah. Mala beads are another way I think people do that because you're touching each bead and you're saying a mantra while you're doing that. So it's like that motion or the one thing that you do in Kundalini where you touch like each of your fingertips Mm -hmm. with your thumb. Definitely. That kind of reminds me of that too. Liz, when you said that, it made me think of, I'm going to shout Simi out again, but you know how Osh loves to sweep on the IG stories? I feel like you need to message her and be like, I think Osh is Buddha because he's like probably sweeping and doing all of his like mantras. He's two. And like this little kid we follow on Instagram, he like loves the sweeper. That's what that reminds me. I love that. Um. When it comes to your daughter then, and she's only 15 months old, what are some ways that you want to facilitate this in her as she gets older? And also like not, I know that it's kind of hard as having a girl and being a woman, you get these like messages like movement and you need to look this way and you need to be fit. How are you planning on bridging that gap with your daughter? You know, I think I try to model for her uh, moving my body in a way that's fun and healthy. So we do a lot of dance parties. We put on music and dance (laughs) jump around. Um, I'll do like yoga. Although she doesn't like when I do it. She like gets mad. I don't know why she doesn't (laughs) want me to do it. But then she'll like come on the mat and kind of roll around and play. Yeah. And I, you know, every night before bed, I I tell her that she's magical and perfect and strong mm-hmm. and intuitive and that she's a leader. And I tell her, th- I tell, give her mantras. I give her affirmation. Yeah. You know, they're never based on how she looks. Obviously she's a baby. They're based on who she is. And so to me, I think it's really just about staying focused on, you know, really giving her a sense of self-confidence and self sense of inner peace by a modeling it myself, by modeling good behavior, by modeling it with my relationship with my husband, really affirming to her who she is and also really giving her the space to have her feelings on things. I think that's also really important. So I try to be very mindful to not say, you're okay, it's okay. Um, instead let her, if she's, you know, upset about something, I kind of want to really let her have those feelings. And when she's able to talk, to be able to, you know, really mirror back what she's saying of how she's feeling. 
And my hope is that through those things, and obviously as we continue to grow together, um, that she does develop a real good sense of self-confidence. Yeah. Is there a book that you read that you've got? I just feel like the people that I follow seem to have this same mentality and it's so great. I don't know about you guys, but um, I think like even thinking back to my mom, who's incredible and wonderful, I feel like um, if I saw her working out, it was more of like a form of, I need to do this for how I look. Or I also remember her saying a lot, and you know, Liz, how I always say like, I'm a strong Italian woman. Like every time I had feelings, it was like, you're okay, or you can handle that. And I totally get where that comes from. But at the same time, that holds you, that feels, makes you feel like what you're feeling is wrong. Like I shouldn't be feeling those way, this yeah. way. Yeah. So I love that concept of like teaching them these ways of like releasing their emotions and also moving for the fun of it and just enjoying it and nothing else. Yeah. I want her to, you know, enjoy her body and enjoy the way that she, she moves. There is, I, ha- I haven't read a ton of parenting books because I'm like too tired to read, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it- forgot I asked that question before I like, went off on <laughs> yeah. my tangent. But I- Nina, that's exactly what I do. Right. But I think, um, you know, I think if you're in this work and you're doing this conscious work in your own life, it's going to be passed down hopefully to your children. And I think yeah. your children are an opportunity for you to become more conscious in your own life. And it's a, an opportunity for you to practice even more so these lessons that you're you're learning and also teaching to others. So I just am trying to follow my own inner inner heart. And of course, you know, you reach yeah. out to mom friends and you consult the experts when you need to. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, we haven't really touched a whole, really all on nutrition. Mm. And I'm curious what you found the relationship between food and movement to be. Mm. Well, I think, you know, I do food the same way I do, um, the same way that I do movement. I do it um, intuitively. I, I don't do it for... I don't log calories. I don't log fat. I don't look at macros or paleo. Mm. Not that there's nothing wrong with these. I don't. I don't personally follow um, any particular diet. Of course, I've tried them all. That was my background. I've tried them them all. (laughs) I now really am at the place where I eat. Like I said, intuitively. I listen. I tune into my gut. I you know, I, I kind of know what my body needs and I don't restrict myself. I think one of the biggest transformations that I made at some point, you know, in my late twenties is I realized that there was so much guilt around food. Like it was crazy. It was, I would eat anything and I would feel guilty. You know, I would eat mm. too much of a salad and I would feel like I ate too much. I would eat too much of a brownie and I felt like I ate too much. I would feel like there was just so much guilt and I had to really undo all that guilt around food. And so... I had to remove all guilt for all food always for a while. Well, now, even now, there's there's literally nothing that I ever eat that I feel guilty about. Nothing. Wow. And I just, you know, I stop, I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full. I do, I do have a habit of always, like I always will leave, if not three quarters of, of like the food left, not three, I mean a quarter of the food left or a few bites left. I will always leave food on my plate because to me, I always had an issue that I felt like I had to eat everything because there wasn't gonna yeah. there wasn't gonna be enough. And I think it related to my own enoughness and this like there's not gonna be enough if I don't eat it now, there might not be food later. And so it's sort of like my symbol to life, like that there is enough food, there will be enough and I don't mm-hmm. have to eat it all now. And so I just like I, I always will leave a little bit of food on my plate. And usually I'm like not that hungry to eat it all also. And I eat slowly. I take my time. Although again, having a baby that changed like 
I'm back to eating slowly again, but for like a year after you have a baby, you're scarfing food down because you're like, <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to get to eat again. But yeah, I think I, I try to really follow intuitive eating the same way that I follow intuitive movement. Yeah. I love that I think both of them come from a place of, or the way it sounds like it, they're both coming from a place of love, really, which I think is the core of what we ultimately want to get to when we talk about loving our bodies or loving our relationship with our bodies. Like you're making those decisions based on love. So. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. And, you know, we just, I think we we give so many stories, the same way that we have these stories around movement and exercise, we have stories around food. This is bad. This is good. And it's so incredibly skewed. So, you know, I look at food very much as like neutral. Obviously, I eat healthy foods, right? Fruits and vegetables and grains and you eat lunch. I'm not eating Burger King all day long. That would be... Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, you know, I think you have to like remove your story around foods to start to gain a healthy relationship with it. And that's... Because if you're just... If you're just picking... If you're, if you're drinking smoothies because you think you're being healthy, then you're kind of addicting to it in a different way. You know what I mean? So you kind of almost have to remove all stories around food for a little while and let yourself leave yourself alone for a little bit and start to make choices from a more neutral, loving place. Yeah, this is a conversation I feel like we have a lot on the podcast. It's like, for me, I got to this work because I was almost too strict on healthy foods. It's like, oh, well now I need to fix myself. So I'm going to eat these healthy foods. And then you realize, oh my gosh, well now I'm like controlled by food in a different, now I'm controlled by like the health of the food and you won't have to eliminate it all. But it's like in everything we talk about, whether it be movement, food, finances, like entrepreneurship, spirituality, it's all about like releasing control and learning to live from a more intuitive place. Yeah. It's like the podcast should be called like intuitive finding your shine or something. I feel like that's the most <laughs> Doesn't have theme. quite the same ring, but <laughs> Try. It doesn't have the same ring to it, yeah. <laughs> but it is like the theme of what we seem to talk about all the time. Did you do the changes with movement and food sort of together or did one come first and one came after? No, they really did come in reflecting back. They really did come around the same time when I really started mm-hmm. incorporating um, mantras into my movement. It was around the same time that I, because I think what was happening, I was, I was doing these mantras and movements and a lot of old beliefs were coming to the surface for me about me, about my life, about who I was, about who I was in the world, about what I thought I could accomplish in this life. And as they were coming to the surface, there were, you know, beliefs that were coming to the surface that were around food, around my relationship to food. And so I think that it was just all kind of getting turned on its head at once. Um, Yeah. Which that's often how it happens. (laughs) You start one and it kind of unearths all the other stuff. I was going to say, I think that's what I love about this work so much is that you might come to it because you're like, okay, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to try this mantras and movements. And then you realize, oh my gosh, now I, f- I have more food freedom. Oh my gosh, now I have more body positivity. Oh my gosh, now I want to transition in my career. And like all of a sudden, it's like this total freedom that you've come to. I think it depends. You can enter it in any specific way, but it all ends up being the same in the end. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So if our listeners want to read more, find your book, start diving into this world of mantras and movement, where can they get all of the information? I know you said a little bit earlier, but yes. we'll give them another recap. Another recap. Come on over to erinstutland.com forward slash book. So again, that's Aaron, E-R-I-N, Stutland, S-T-U-T-L-A-N-D.com forward slash book. Um, you can learn more about the book, Mantras in Motion, Manifesting What You Want, Your Mindful Movement There. And, um, and then my website is erinstutland.com. There's lots of information and goodies there too. 
Can they find you on Instagram as well? Are oh, you active there? I am. It's at Erin.Stutland. And I love that you didn't even ask about Facebook. I guess that's like done for you. <laughs> For you youngsters. I, <laughs> yeah, I like, I'm not well, big on the Facebook world too much. I like, you know what I like Facebook for? I do like groups. I'm in a lot of mm. groups and that's where, because I think what, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but with Facebook, there's a lot of negative things that I don't want to engage in. And it seems all the positive things with people that I align with happen in my groups. So I just Love kind it. of, now my feed is mostly like Your this group. post in a group. Yeah. And yeah, so, same. Facebook great. groups for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's totally it. dead. Totally <laughs> different. I just find them the endless scrolling on Instagram to be a problem for a lot of people. Uh, yes. Yes. That's whole, not that's the type of movement you want. No, no that is not. It's not the kind of movement you want. <laughs> but yes, I, I do prefer Instagram to Facebook 100% as well. So yeah, you can find me at Erin.Stutland. We almost went down the rabbit hole of Instagram <laughs> scrolling, but we can talk about that another time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother yeah, topic of conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I can't wait for our listeners to like check out your book and all of these resources and get moving. Thank you so <laughs> much. Thanks, ladies. Thank you so much to Erin for coming on the podcast and chatting to us all about her book, Mantras in Motion. Hopefully you're feeling inspired to get up and move your energy and intuitive eat and intuitive move and all of those wonderful, wonderful things. And don't forget, if you're interested in catching up with me and Liz outside of the podcast and you are looking for coaching, whether that be anxiety coaching or hormone coaching, or you're looking to get some coaching on your finances, you can follow us up after the podcast on our websites, nourishedwithnina.com and lizgarster.com. You can also find us on Instagram at nourishedwithnina and at lizgarster. And at Finding Your Shine, if you feel so compelled and aren't already doing that. We look forward to catching up with you guys on those other platforms as well as on the podcast with a new episode next Monday. Bye, guys. Bye.